Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is a podcast from the Smart Material Collective, made by nerds, funded by the listeners. Is hair a material? Are biscuits a material? Are crystals a material? Is plastic a material? Is porridge a material? Can gases be a material? Are eggs a material? Is water a material? What do you call everything that isn't a material? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at your question. And yet you continue to do so. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Real Talk, the podcast about all things materials. I'm your host, material scientist Anna Pajajski, and this episode I'm joined by creative producer, illustrator and science communicator Hannah Ayub to talk about henna. I started by asking her, what is henna, Hannah? It's a powder or a paste that's made from a plant um, and it's used to um, it's used for traditional tattoos in many cultures around the world as well as uh, um, hair dye and it's also sometimes used to dye or um, sort of put designs onto natural materials such as wood or leather um, or other fabrics. Nice and why is henna particularly important to you? So I'm, um, my mum's side of my family is a very large Indian Muslim family. Um, and so I grew up having henna tattoos sort of applied for me um, pretty much from when, you know, as, as long as I can remember, sort of for Eid or for family weddings. Um, and they'd vary from like, you know, I remember my grandma doing like a really simple sort of like crescent moon on one hand and star on the other um, to sort of going to markets and getting, you know, really intricate sort of detailed paisley floral designs on my hands. Um, and as a few of my um, sort of older cousins sort of reached their sort of teenage years, they started um, practicing henna as well. And I used to particularly love watching them um, do henna designs for me. Um, and I remember always sort of like asking for it, even like when it wasn't, you know, a particular function. And then when I turned about 12, I picked up a henna cone um, for the first time. I'd always been um, really artistic. So, you know, I picked up one and I basically just kept doodling all over myself um, <laughs> for months. And as I got better and better, um, lots of my family members would ask me to do their, their tattoos. Um and I quickly became like the person in the family who did the most. Um, my cousins gave me the nickname Henna Hannah um, oh for ages, <laughs> which was like my handle online for years. Like, which I probably shouldn't say. There's probably some like really awful, not awful, but like slightly embarrassing stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like, your MySpace profile is <laughs> still out there somewhere. Um, and I, I used to fill like sketchbooks full of designs that I could then um, use for tattoos and. 
slowly over time that sort of has infiltrated um my entire artistic sort of style so my illustration work all sort of combines quite traditional indian henna patterns with sort of images of animals and anatomy um which sort of a nod to my biology background so you mentioned that henna comes from a plant Mm -hmm. and you can get it in powdered form how Mm -hmm. does that then get transferred onto the skin or other materials so the powdered form um, is mixed with different um, sort of materials, um, which you're not, I don't know whether they are all materials or not. That's not even that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so I'm not 100% sure what the mixes are for sort of non-skin, um, but generally the hen is mixed with either water or lemon juice quite a lot of the time. Um an acidic environment is quite good for sort of splitting off the molecule that is responsible for the colour from, I think it's a sugar molecule that it attaches to. Okay, in the plant. Yeah, so lawsone, which is the molecule in the henna plant, um, it's atta- they're attached to sugar molecules and the acid helps those molecules break apart. Right. Um, so that the lawsone can then like attach to, so it's keratin in the skin and cellulose in wood. Right, okay. Um, so it's mixed with... So lemon juice, um, sometimes sugar is added as well. Um, and the amount of sugar added sort of changes depending on the um, sort of, what's the word, the variant of henna plant, because some have more sugars present naturally than others. Right. Um, and sugar sort of helps the paste stick to the skin. Um, and it can also help keep it sort of from drying out very quickly in certain environments. And then finally, um, people sometimes add essential oils because um, specific types of alcohol um, really help sort of bring the molecule out um, of the powder and sort of make it available um, to attach to those keratin and cellulose molecules. Oh, yeah. So you mentioned that your first experience of applying henna was from a cone. Mm. So does it go from the paste, like the paste goes into yeah, the cone? So, yeah, then... so um, the paste is normally mixed up and I think it's left for up to, I think it's about a day um, to sort of settle and for these molecules to sort of release um, themselves. Right. Um, and then it's applied in lots of different ways and it really depends on sort of where you are in the world. Um so, you know, I mentioned earlier, so my grandma doing the literary crescent moon, she did that with her fingers. All right, um, cool. You know, I've also seen people use sticks that they dip into the paste and sort of those often quite, um, a lot of those designs tend to be dot based rather than line based. Nice. Um, and then what's really common in Indian culture is these sort of cones that are probably quite similar to like an icing cone you'd use for cakes. Um, oh, okay, yeah. But sort of smaller with a really fine tip. Um, and you sort of seal the end and then you can sort of squeeze out lines of henna. Um, and that's sort of what I've had the most experience with. Um, you can also nowadays buy like other things. So I think um, there are countries where sort of syringes are used a lot. Um, you can also get sort of like squidgy bottles with tips on the end. Um, so, yeah, there's a whole mixture, but it's generally there's a lot of different ways to get sort of like that sort of fine sort of extrusion um, yeah. of the paste <laughs> in order to um, be able to create really intricate designs. So how long have we been using henna in this way? So our records of henna use go back at least 5,000 years, um, which is amazing. Um, There's some evidence that it was actually originally used to cool the skin um, Mm. because it does have quite a cooling effect. Like when you have it on, it sort of, you know, um, 
And yeah, it's traditionally been used across the Middle East, the Indian subcontinent and parts of North Africa as well. Um, and it's, you know, it was used for cooling. It's got lots of different associations with it. So um, it's often associated with fertility and sort of love and marriage. So henna nights are quite common um, in lots of different cultures where sort of the night before the wedding, um, traditionally the women will all get together. The bride will have a really intricate pattern supplied to her hands and her feet. Um, I was actually, I was, I was really, really... Um, sort of touched recently my one of my closest cousins got married um back in december and she had a traditional henna night and there were i think you know three or four professional henna artists in attendance but she got me and one of our other cousins to do her bridal henna and it was it was just so lovely like it was really nice to be part of that and then you know over like the next two days of the wedding like seeing so i'd done like her feet and i kept you know spotting the like designs that i'd done um which is really nice um and there's lots of sort of little traditional things like i think um how long the stain lasts is meant to like you know give an impression of like how much love there'll be in the marriage and oh God. Um, i know <laughs> and some of the designs that are used to do with sort of plants and nature are meant to symbolize fertility okay um, um so there's loads of layers of meaning to it which mm. is really lovely and have those layers kind of grown over time? Are there kind of different meanings in different sort of geographical areas and stuff? Yeah, so um, the the designs that I sort of am most familiar with tend to be Indian designs um, and a little bit of the Arabic designs because that's sort of Muslim influence. Um, and in a lot of the Indian patterns, you get these sort of circular, symmetrical designs like mandala patterns mm. and mandalas have traditionally represented the universe um in both hindu and buddhist culture and on top of that you get a lot of um plant imagery like lotus flowers and sort of lotus inspired designs are really popular you get paisley patterns um and the, there is so much out there about all the different meanings like mm. if anyone wants to find out more i would suggest falling down that google rabbit hole um <laughs> other search engines are available um yeah, it's just like, it feels like as many designs as there are, there are meanings behind them. Mm. And in your own artwork, do you mm. tend to sway more towards some than others or do you mix it up? I, I really, really love circular symmetry. Um, so, yeah, I do lots of mandala patterns um, and I quite often link that to sort of symmetry in nature. So at the moment I'm a bit obsessed with moths and butterflies. Mm. Um, and I really like floral designs as well. Um, so I generally find sort of like lotus leaf type patterns sort of end up in a lot of my designs. Um, lots of sort of dots and um, scallops and things like that. Awesome. So how does it actually work? You mentioned this mm-hmm. molecule that sort of attaches. Um, do we want to say any more about that, about yeah. how it actually does the staining? Yeah. Um, so once the sort of paste that you've applied is actually on the skin, um, the stain can form in minutes um, and you get this sort of like reddish brown stain that will sort of vary depending on the person's skin tone. Uh, the longer the paste is left on, the darker it becomes. Um, and sometimes people will sort of keep um, will keep the paste sort of moist with lemon juice or oils to make it even darker and okay. sort of give it more time. So that especially happens in, for example, bridal henna when people want, you know, a really clear pattern for as long as possible. Mm. 
Um, oh yeah last the marriage not last very long yes that (laughs) i should point out like that's something that you know i found when i was researching i've never actually heard anyone say it in real life (laughs) yeah so then the lawsone molecules like move into sort of the outer layers of skin so it's you know those dead layers of skin um and it binds to proteins in it um keratin proteins and it pretty much what's interesting is that the molecule seems to move straight down through the skin which is why you get quite neat patterns because it's not sort of spreading sideways into like, you know, skin on either side of the pace. Right. Um, and basically that sort of, you know, molecules bind and the, the stain lasts as long as the skin lasts. So you generally find that you lose the tattoo as um, the skin sheds. And so you find a lot of things that you can do to sort of extend the life of the tattoo are things that are gonna you know keep your skin from shedding so moisturizing Mm. um and a lot of things that will sort of speed it up are sort of you know washing your hands a lot exfoliating like if you're in contact with you know say lots of detergents right um then it's likely to disappear a lot quicker so what's the difference then i know you're not a a actual (laughs) tattoo artist or yeah needle tattoo Mm. artist but do you know what the difference is in terms of like the application into the skin of a um so one thing that's worth mentioning is like the use of the word tattoo to describe like henna designs is a little bit controversial right um so some people say because it doesn't last you shouldn't you know actually use the word tattoo like um traditionally you'd just call it henna or just in indian culture call it mendi you wouldn't actually add the tattoo at the end Mm. so as i was saying henna sort of stains these sort of top layers of the skin whereas permanent tattoos the needle actually sort of pushes the ink sort of down into the dermis which is the second layer of skin um and the skin sort of responds with lots of like white blood cells that attempt to like attack these foreign particles Mm. Um, and the reason the pigment stays there is because the pigment particles are too big to be eaten by the white cells. So they just sort of sit there. Um, and over years, that like the tattoos can start to blend a bit because the pigment migrates beyond the area that it was intended to. Right. And also things like changes in body shape, gaining weight, losing weight, wrinkles can change the shape of tattoos as well. Ah, interesting. Mm. Okay. So the henna molecules sit in the layer above mm. that. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. 
And actually, like, um, there's probably quite a good time to talk like a little bit about black henna, if that's sure. okay. So a lot of people might have heard of like awful side effects to henna. And I think it's something that's, I like will sort of lecture people on and sort of get on my soapbox about a lot <laughs> is that's not sort of natural henna. Um, oh, right. It's black henna, which became really popular, um, particularly in tourist locations, because tourists wanted a darker stain because that was sort of more trendy to have a black tattoo rather than like, you know, a reddish brown tattoo oh. and something that stained quicker without sort of needing to leave the paste on. Um and so these traditional artists started experimenting um, and they started mixing in PPD or paraphenyl enadiamine. I'm probably saying that right, um, <laughs> which is a chemical that's actually used in hair dye. Um, okay. But its use in hair dye is really strictly controlled because it a lot of people can have really nasty allergic reactions to it. Mm. And it can cause really nasty scarring from chemical burns. Ooh, ouch. Um, so there's been like there's been so many horror stories of people ending up with scars in the shape of their tattoos and i know there was i think at least one woman died from an allergic reaction oh god and um like obviously all those stories are like really tragic in their own right but i also find it really sad that you know that has sort of colored people's opinions of henna which is you know Mm. this material we've used for over five thousand years right um as a result of it yeah Um, so you mentioned that it was used to dye not only skin but also other materials mm, as well. Yeah. So in um, in other materials, it sort of bonds to either so keratin um, in, for example, leather or silk um, or hair. Or, or hair, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, or it binds to cellulose in plant products, so like paper or wood. Um, I actually have a, um, this is really silly, but I have a, a money box that is shaped like a chicken um, that I made in like woodwork class when I was 15. Um, and I've actually covered it in henna designs and they've lasted till today. Awesome. Um, you know, and um, yeah, so that's an example of like henna staining wood um, cellulose in it. Um, in hair, it's it's really common. So it's used a lot in the regions where henna grows and it's used in other ways um to dye hair and depending on what the henna is mixed with there's a few other natural dyes it can sort of achieve different tones nice and is it the similar kind of ready brownie tones yeah yeah i think you, um it sort of goes from ready brown to like a sort of darker ready brown as right. well also yeah. depending on how long you leave it on maybe. yeah exactly and i think um what it's mixed with so like i know people in my family who get their hair dyed with henna you know to cover up their gray hairs <laughs> <laughs> nice have you ever tried using henna straight onto paper i have um one of the things so it's a bit problematic because it's really tough to get the paste off and so it's the paste itself is sort of this you know powdery sort of grainy thing that comes off most other materials quite easily but on paper it tends to stick and you know you find yourself sort of trying to scratch it off and then damaging the paper and so it doesn't it doesn't work quite as well um Mm. But on wood, it works well, um, and I've never, I've never tried cloth, but I've heard good things. Oh, that'd be interesting! Mm. Like natural fibers, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's tradition. I think it's um, leather drum skins that have been decorated quite a lot ah, with henna. Nice. Traditionally. Yeah. Awesome. So, have you got any fun facts about henna? So, one of the ones I quite like is that it can block sunlight. Um, so, because of its sort of binding to keratin. Um, in those upper layers it then blocks sunlight from reaching 
the sort of levels in the skin where your melanocytes are. Right. Um, and melanocytes release melanin, which is what gives you a suntan. Um, so you can quite funnily sort of get a reverse tattoo if you go out in the sun <laughs> when you've got um, a tattoo. You know, like a, a week later it fades and you're left with like <laughs> this sort of very odd tan line. <laughs> Make it last even longer, I guess. Yeah, that is true. Um, <laughs> actually, like, I feel henna is one of these materials that can be a little bit unpredictable because i was saying earlier about staining so quickly um i have known people to like fall asleep on like their hand and wake up with like henna on their face that is going to take a while to disappear um when i've sort of done henna for people at events i end up with like weird marks on me for weeks afterwards like i'll just have like you know a brown line here a smudge there and it's like I always try so hard not to touch my face when i'm doing it. yeah of course yeah <laughs> um and actually also all those material like materials i mentioned that it could stain so mm. things like if you're wearing um sort of natural cloths that those can stain quite quickly as well yes um so yeah it, it's a fun material but it can be a little bit problematic at times <laughs> absolute carnage yeah. <laughs> when you think of a design for someone like you mm. mentioned you did your friend's feet for their wedding yeah. um do you incorporate the kind of shape of their feet or their hands or whatever into the design a bit like you do with the animal artwork yeah, that you do as um, well when I'm doing henna on people, I am not the best um, at sticking to a strict design or a pattern. Um, and I think that is because because the shape of people's hands and feet, you know, change. Um, so, for example, if I'm doing a floral pattern, you know, I might have inspiration in front of me. But as I'm doing it, I might add a few extra leaves or have a slightly longer, you know, stem to something or a few mm. more plants or different, you know, size petals, that sort of thing. Um, so when I was doing like my cousin's bridal henna, you know, she'd found a photo that she liked the look of. And I went for that sort of general aesthetic. Um, but, you know, we'd agreed ahead of that ahead of time that that wasn't going to be the exact thing and as I was doing it I was making you know slight adjustments and she'd lean over and be like oh can you add a bit more there or add a bit more? so it's it can be quite flu a fluid process yeah. you can improvise quite a lot and do you do the same with your artwork my artwork um so for a long time it was it was very fluid very sort of um sort of improvised on the spot um so I used to draw almost entirely in ink um now um sort of pushing myself out of my comfort zone a bit i tend to do i'll tend to almost give myself like a template so for example if i'm drawing an animal i will quite often sketch out the animal and sort of you know draw that in pencil make sure i'm absolutely happy with it then do an ink outline but i'll fill it in without any plan okay um and sort of similarly, when I'm doing like really large mandalas, I might um, draw out like the circles as sort of a template, um, maybe a few sort of bigger sort of guidelines. And then again, I'll fill it in freehand. Um, I've never been someone who can plan an entire piece of artwork. <laughs> Fair enough. Why do you do this? <laughs> Ooh, um I think I, like I love it there's you know there's so much history there for me um but it's also the process I think the the really intricate patterns that I use both when I do henna and also when I'm drawing there's just something so calming about you know draw like just drawing scallops without thinking for example or um you know filling in an area with sort of like dots um and I think there's, for me, there's something interesting about a lot of the symbolism of these designs that I mentioned earlier. So things like 
mandalas representing the universe and lots of animal imagery and plants and bringing those sort of you know um traditional symbolism together with like the symbolism from my science background um I sometimes feel like I'm bringing every part of myself together um you know sort of art culture and science um and there's something really fulfilling about that um so I'm currently working on a slightly bizarre piece um that I do feel like could have only come out of my imagination and I'm now att- going to attempt to describe this in an audio medium um <laughs> but it's essentially the the paranasal sinuses right. <laughs> um, which are like these sort of like pockets like of air that sometimes feel with fluid on your face um overlaid on top of a moth (gasps) on top of a mandala whoa um and all of those things are symmetrical so the the sinuses are symmetrical you've then got the moth and then you've got like a circular mandala around it um and this is something that's like it's an image i've had in my head for ages um because i have sinus problems so like sinuses mean something to me Mm. Um, not all good but um (laughs) uniquely someone say uniquely yeah um and then you know maybe that sort of connects with the fact that like moths have a really keen you know sort of sense of smell and so yeah that's that's my current weird combination of all my interests coming together amazing (laughs) i love it and where can we see examples of your artwork online Uh, so i post a lot on um twitter where i'm at hannah ayub um should i spell that out up to you. <laughs> Do you find that people can often not find you? I don't know. Probably not as bad as you. Yes, indeed. Uh, which is H A N A A Y O O B. Um, on Instagram, I'm Hannah.ayub. Um, and then I also have a website for my art that I don't update nearly enough, um, which is curiousoctopus.co.uk, um, where you can also find links to buy some of my artwork. Um, and then um, if rather than artwork you would like to listen to me, um, I co-host a podcast called Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet? Um, which is where we bring science and tech together with popular culture um, and we treat science with none of the respect that most people do. (laughs) (laughs) That it deserves. (laughs) Amazing. Well, thanks for coming on Real Talk. Thank you so much for having me. Like, Real Talk is pretty much my favourite science podcast, so it's amazing to be on it. So that was the wonderful Hannah Ayub. Thanks so much to her for coming on the show and for being such a great supporter of the pod. If you want to check out Hannah's artwork, then head on over to the Real Talk website where you can find links to her work and websites. We're at realtalk, R-I-A-L-talk.com. And also make sure that you listen to Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet, our sort of sister pod on the Smart Material Collective Network. We'll be back with another episode in two weeks. So until then, enjoy the sunshine and see you next time on Real Talk. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Confidence starts with loving who you are. 
And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.